Thank you, please. Now, on behalf of the committee... There are times when we are figuring out those rules as we go along, and we are still doing some of this stuff on the fly. Welcome to episode 36 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander. And on today's episode, we have exclusive audio from Camilo's post-season meeting with the committee to discuss his new contract. Please, sir, I want some more. What? Please, sir, I want some more. More! Catch him! Catch him! Hold him! Scold him! We also hear Bobby Lenarduzzi's phone call to Don Garber after the Andre Lewis contract fiasco. Well, here's another nice mess you've got me into. And Seattle's Ziggy Schmidt joins us on the phone to tell us about the Sounders' pre-season plans. <laughs> but let's start with some breaking news that just came out this morning, Steve. Whitecaps announced an official affiliation with Charleston Battery of USL Pro. That is going to be our farm team for the forthcoming season. Initially a one-year deal, obviously with a view to extending it down the road or looking at options after that. Yeah, and the options obviously could be a local team here too. Maybe that's why they're only doing a one-year deal because everybody was always talking about 2015 as maybe being the year for the Langley team uh, potentially or the Victoria team being the actual farm team for the Whitecaps. What, what's your initial thoughts on, on the whole sort of affiliation though? Last year we had Ben Fisk, Bryce Alderson and Emmanuel Adjeti, or however you pronounce his name. Um, they all went down there and it, it was kind of a mixed report. You, you spoke to Ben and Bryce when they came back and they weren't totally enamoured by the whole experience. You, you could take it one of two ways. Either they weren't satisfied with the setup there or they were just frustrated because they were going through a lot of injuries. Uh, Bryce especially seemed to say it was a kind of a, a waste of a year, but again we don't know how he was taking it. Whether it was the injury that was playing a part in that more. But even when he wasn't injured, he wasn't really getting game time, or all the guys weren't getting like guaranteed first team minutes. And that's the interesting thing on on this. The, the Caps are saying there's going to be a minimum of four players go down to Charleston. And TFC, yesterday they announced their affiliation with the Wilmington Hammerheads. And again, they've got a minimum of four. So that must be some kind of MLS deal that if you make an affiliation, you have to send at least four guys. But TFC also said, or one of their journalists reported that I can't remember if it was official or if it was just like media reporting it, that they've got a deal that their players will have guaranteed playing time. And I haven't seen that that's going to be the case with the Whitecaps. It's, it's more assurances, I think, that they will get enough time or whatever. Obviously, they know that the players are going to have to 
perform well in order to get that playing time. They're just not going to put somebody that's off form. The thing is, is one thing we should discuss is they're saying four players. Is that enough? Are they going to be only sending four players? Is it going to be more? Uh, they've also said that they're not going to be having the reserve league anymore, which seems kind of, I don't know if it works for the Whitecaps because you need those times, local games too, in order to get the people that aren't getting time minutes on the pitch against some competition. It's a strange one because TFC, they've pulled out of the reserve league for this year as well. I don't like it. I know you don't have a lot of games. I can't even remember if it was 12 or 14 or 16 or something last year. I don't think year. it was that much at all. But players need games and it doesn't matter if it's reserve, if it's USL Pro. And if you're only sending four down, what happens to the rest of the guys? They need to be playing more than training. There's more benefits playing a game, even if it's against weaker opposition, than it is just training non-stop. I just don't don't get that. And we talked about it in the season in review podcast where at one point in August or whatever it was when Andy O'Brien came back and he didn't have any games to play in in order to get into kind of a game shape and he was thrown right in there. Uh, he, he made mistakes against Chivas and LA Galaxy and it, it, they cost him points that could have led to missing the playoffs. So you need those games even for players because you're not going to send Andy O'Brien down to Charleston to play in a couple of games. That's a long distance for him to fly out to, especially a veteran player. You need that those local games to, for some of these guys that are coming off injury to get some time in, our, in order to get back into game shape. An interesting tweet while we're just recording here from Ben Jada. Uh, he can be found at, at Ben underscore Jada. Is, uh, he tweeted out, USL Pro partnerships mean, may mean less reps for young bench and academy players, but it should help improve competition level in lo- lower divisions. Now... The problem with that, and one thing, example of that, what he was trying to say, I think, is last year, Sam Adekubi was with the academy team. He got into the reserve games, started a majority of games at left back, and that showed the Whitecaps that he was capable of playing in the league or being close to it, and they signed him to a contract. That's going to hurt some of these academy players that are looking for contracts because they're not going to be able to send them all the way down to Charleston just for a few games and then bring it back up for a few games here. It's it's I, I think the, canceling the reserve league is a big mistake. There is the chance, of course, to, to play local games against the local universities and they are going to be playing SFU in their kind of spring schedule. But there's two ways to look at it. The players are going to be playing in a professional environment. So in a lot of ways, playing in USL Pro is going to be above the level of reserve league. At the same time, on the flip side, four players or if they even send five or six at a time, it's not ideal for them. And they need to be playing a lot more. And if they only send like four players, I just don't see how that, that's going to help all the all the guys that, that need to get playing time. Let, let's look at some individual players like Eric Hurtado and all the draft guys, which we're going to come to in a second. If they're not in the game day 18 and they're too old to play for the residency and the PDL season doesn't start until middle of May, how are you going to get these guys getting meaningful minutes? And the only way to control that is to have your own USL Pro team, where the whole team can be your players and your developmental players. But these guys need to be playing regularly, and if there isn't a guarantee that these guys will even be starting, it's a it's a big risk sending them down there. Maybe they send those fringe MLS guys like Eric Hurtado down to the MLS because they know they're not going to get much playing time and they use the guys like Ben Fisk to be 
part of their uh, 18 because they know they're ready now or something like that. So we'll keep you posted on this as the season goes on. At least that's more games for us to watch. We can take a lot more interest in in Charleston Battery now this season. But of course we have less games locally to watch. Eh? That is the bad thing. But Charleston play in black and gold stripes, which is East Fife's jersey. Excellent. Now some of the guys that might benefit from the deal with Charleston and get some playing time down there are some of our draft picks. And we now have six Three more players selected in the third and fourth round of the Super Draft on Tuesday, Steve. None of them signed with other teams. That, that we know of so far. Yes. And we, we added a couple of New Mexico Lobos and a Canadian kid, Canadian striker. Yeah. And one of the guys you were championing for selection by the Whitecaps, and he was the last pick for them, Michael Calderon. Yep, very happy with that. Obviously, pressure's on me now to, to make sure that he's a good player, but he's delighted to be joining. And... I know Jake DeClue had spoken to him before the draft just to, to let him know that the Whitecaps were interested in him. I know he was taken deep and usually like guys that are taken in the third and the fourth round, the chance of them making the squad is going to be very, very slim. And that, that counts for all three of the guys. But occasionally some of them stick. Greg Clausura, maybe a bad example, but Greg Clausura was one of those guys. And Calderon, a lot of the mock drafts had him in the top 50 some of them had him going in the second round, some of them had him going in the third round. I think with his age, he's 25, and the fact that he takes up an international spot put a lot of people off. But I spoke to Carl Robinson, if you read the article on AFTN earlier this week, I spoke to Carl about him, and he was surprised that he went so deep, delighted to get him. And he, he doesn't care about his age or the international factor. He likes something in him, and he wants to see how he can do. So it's going to be interesting to see how he performs at training camp. And another Lobo joining him is another midfielder, defensive midfielder, Michael Kafari. Born in Ghana, but he has been in the States for a while, so he's not going to be counting as an international player. He has a U.S. passport. He was also another, as you said, Lobo. He was played more of a defensive midfield position. A guy who they described as a ball winner, uh, could track a lot athletic and could track a lot, a lot of parts of the field. So... Yeah, it's maybe like a Gershon Kofi type, although Gershon Kofi definitely doesn't know him. And he's a really nice guy as well. When I was interviewing Ben McKendry earlier in the season down in Santa Barbara, I was chatting a bit to him. He was coming in, he was speaking to Ben and, and Ben's dad that were down there. Kafari is a it's an interesting one. I'm not sure he is going to stick, but White Cats like the look of the Ghanaians. If I had to pick between Kafari and Abdallah, I'd give Kafari a shot from what I've seen of Abdallah. It'll be good for Calderon to have a teammate there. Ben McKendry I actually rated higher than Kafari, so it's going to be interesting to see what that maybe means for Ben's future. Again, spoke to Carl about that. It was on our interview on AFTN. Ben is still very much on the radar for the Whitecaps. But they obviously like the New Mexico programme. It is a fantastic programme. Coach Fishbine's put together such a good team down there and they got to the final four. There's a couple of other New Mexico guys picked up which I wouldn't have minded us having a look at including their goalkeeper who went to Houston in the end. And that would maybe have been a, a, a decent backup for us. But again, he was a, another older guy. And the Canadian kid, Toronto-born, Mackenzie Pridham, looks to have a fantastic goal-scoring record, played for Cal Poly. He's used to the big atmospheres with the Cal Poly Santa Barbara derby, so he's played in front of big, big crowds, like 11, 12, 13,000 people. 
So it's going to be interesting to see how he does as well. Yeah, he he had a training stint last year with TFC. TFC had two picks later after he was picked by the Whitecaps, so maybe the Whitecaps knew something and they picked him at that point for a reason. That's what I'm thinking. Six six weeks he spent in the summer with. Yeah, him. and he's he's uh, uh, essentially a poacher from the description people have of him. Um, he runs after defenders. He runs at them. Uh, he's not really somebody that could take somebody on one on one, but he's definitely a good guy that can run make those certain runs into the box and be able to capitalize on situations if you get service. Uh, website, I think it was MLS Soccer compared to Dom Dwyer from uh, Kansas City who had a pretty big impact in the playoffs. Someone on the south side is form also said that he has a reputation for being a bit of a dirty player, which obviously I'm going to love. But I also love a poacher and it's what I felt the Whitecaps have needed all last season is a poacher that can put the ball in the net. Corey Herzog offered a bit of that, but we just didn't see it enough. And every team needs a poacher to fall on those opportunities, the spills in the box, the parries from the goalkeeper. And it, it's important to have someone that's there in the right place to put it in the net with a football brain. And Mackenzie certainly seems to have that. And a lot of people had him rated as like a dark horse kind of pick and somebody who could go in the late first, uh, somewhere in the second round, and they got him in the fourth round. So uh, value, obviously, for where he got picked. And... If he doesn't work out, then he, he moves on and he goes to probably maybe Edmonton or play somebody like that. So as I said, it's hard for the guys picked later in the drafts to stick, but we've got six guys to have a look at at uh, the training camp. Players report to the Whitecaps on Saturday for their medicals. And of course, we are still going to have six players there because we are allowed to have Andre Lewis. The, the deal has been cut between MLS and the Cosmos. What a farce that turned out to be. Yeah, I... I tweeted out something on Saturday and it got quite a bit of response. I had people tell me this, uh, but I didn't have enough information, so I couldn't make it official. And luckily, uh, Soccer by Ives website, it was actually Ives who wrote about this, that the that the Whitecaps actually had no idea that he was signed to a contract. In fact, MLS dropped the ball completely on this. It was all they're doing. And the Whitecaps were basically, I think they're more, they're trying to cover up for MLS uh, and essentially make MLS not to look as bad as they were did, as, as bad as they were. It's a crazy situation, and I have to like tip my hat. New York Cosmos played it perfectly. If they wanted to embarrass MLS, they did it to perfection. Wait until the guy has been drafted, and then I say, oh, by the way, he's our player, we've signed him. They could have mentioned the signing before the draft, but not they waited till he was picked. And it didn't matter who picked him, it was going to be the same situation. And with the luck that we and Carl Robinson's had this season, it had to be the Whitecaps that picked him. Yeah, I don't think it was anything Cosmos waiting for the Whitecaps to pick him. They obviously didn't know who was going to pick him. It was just a matter of we, had, like you said... Had we were the luck. unfortunate ones. Yeah, if it was anybody else, it would have gone the same way. At this point, Cosmos don't want to sell. They're only going to use it on loan to make the MLS even look worse. And that, that's the, the weird thing about it. If the Whitecaps, when it comes to the roster deadline day on March 1st, if the Whitecaps say, yep, we want Andre Lewis on our roster, it's going to be by loan. Yeah. So he's not going to be a Whitecaps player. If he turns out to be good, and then the Whitecaps want to sign him, there will be a transfer fee. Not paid by the Whitecaps, but paid by MLS. So that's bad for MLS if the player does well. So obviously if the Whitecaps want to keep him, he's done well. So his value now with the transfer is relatively low. If the Whitecaps then decide, oh, he's had a great season, we want to buy him, that value now goes through the roof. And Cosmos can play a bit of hardball and say, no, we saw how well he did. We, we need a lot more money for him than you're willing to pay. So this could still get really messy. The one thing you've got to look at as well, 
is how long is this contract with the Cosmos? Does MLS even maybe wait out the contract and then sign and promise Lewis a bigger contract when he when he becomes a free agent or uh, on a free transfer and maybe avoid paying that transfer fee? So it could be that we get him for one year, he's gone back to the Cosmos, and then we get him on a free for the third year. So it's gonna be might not be the most ideal situation, but we'll have to see how this works out. It's definitely embarrassing for MLS, and I tell you what. The MLS bigwigs owe the Whitecaps a big favour this year. Between them kind of playing ball and being nice about this Lewis thing, when like behind the scenes you know that they're fuming about this. You can, it's like they won't be happy with this at all. So between the Lewis debacle and the whole Camilla transfer saga, which the Whitecaps didn't try and enforce and put a test to the MLS contract rules in court or through FIFA, MLS owe the Whitecaps a big favour. And that big favour, you would think, is going to be, at some point, some name player is going to end up here. It's got to be something, or rather. I'm not sure exactly what, but there should be something coming out of the slush fund for this. Now, the Whitecaps also announced a re-signing this week. Captain Jay Demerit has re-signed, and most people seem to, to think that's a, a great re-signing. Are you in that boat? No, I... I... <laughs> It's hard to say no. They had to make the signing. Obviously, we're going to talk about that in a second. But if you ask me, my personal preference, I would have... I expected to see... I would have preferred to see Andy O'Brien and Johnny Lebron as my starting two center halves. And have Carlisle Mitchell as your third. And then have a, the draft pick, obviously, Christian Dean as your fourth. And then your fifth is Jackson Farmer, if you want to sign him. I, I, With I, you 100% on that. That's where I thought that, that it would fall to. Jay Demerit. I know why they signed him. It's because he has that face. The, once the Camilo was gone, I had changed my whole idea that I knew that definitely there was going to be a signing. I kind of had an idea before Camilo left, but this was basically just to keep the face of the franchise, the first ever signing with the Whitecaps, with the team. Don't use the F word in this podcast. It's like, we're a team, we're not a franchise. Face of the team, then. I couldn't make it down to his press conference on Monday, but the feedback I had from someone that was there was it was a Jay Demerit love fest. And I just don't fall into that, that boat at all. I, I don't know if you saw the article that I wrote on Soccerly about him. I still think he has a lot to prove here. And I don't think he's the best centre-back that we have at the club just now. He's okay in the air. Pretty good in the air, in fact. You run at him at the deck, someone with pace going at him. I think he's a weak link in the team. And... He's not as good as people are making him out. He's had a great backstory to get where he is. I know he was the first player signed to an MLS contract in the new era. I just think we should let him go. And unless we've got him for super, super cheap, I just don't think he's worth the money. And the thing is, is you're saying super cheap. If it was a cap number we're worried about, maybe they use some of the allocation money to get the cap number down, then maybe it's okay. But do you really want to waste cap money on... I mean, allocation money on a, an older player. Well, that, I mean, the, the age is the big thing with me. To have him and O'Brien as ageing centre-backs, two injury-prone ageing centre-backs, it's a big, big gamble to take. That's why we have to have got him in at the, at the right price. So we'll soon see in May when the salaries are released as to exactly how good value he is. And the thing is, with you're saying about Andy O'Brien and Jay Demerit, it's not like these guys have that much chemistry either because they barely played together. I know, I mean, Demerit linked up well with Mitchell. Yeah. And O'Brien linked up well with Leveron. So, so it's, it's complete it's, opposite. Yeah. And Leveron linked up well with Mitchell. So 
the, the signing of Demerit now. So we have officially five centre backs on our books, and everyone was expecting Jackson Farmer to to get a contract this year, and he's just started a game for Canada this week. Yeah. Uh, against Fort Lauderdale Strikers. And from so, what I've heard, is very uh, uh, Floro is very high on Jackson Farmer. He he could be one of the guys actually though that is signed and, and sent down to to Charleston. Although he obviously can still continue in the under 18s this this season, so maybe he'll get sent down in the summer. But what that would mean if Farmer did get signed and kept around, that would be six centre backs, which is obviously way way too much, even with all our centre half issues last year. And we have so many holes elsewhere in the team. Yeah. We still need two right backs. We still need two goalkeepers. Midfield, we need what I think is going to be a designated player, number 10, attacking midfielder guy. And I think that's what the Camilo money is going to get spent on from reading between the lines of what, what people have been saying, uh, Bobby yeah, I, and Carl. And I, don't think like they're gonna, yeah, I don't think they're going to bring another striker in. I think they're going to try to use... Obviously, they have Kenny Miller for half a season. And they, they're going to be... Well, Salgado, we're being told, is looking super sharp. So, uh, he say, they say he's... I've heard that from people that he's one of the more explosive players when he's running in short distances. So that could be good for you know his ability to hit the air and, and, and maybe that's the big striker we need. I know, but we've talked, we think Carroll might go for a 4-2-3-1. So you're only really needing the one striker. So yeah. just now it's not the end of the world. Obviously, Kenny's contract's only to the end of June. But that's when you want to get that player, a designated player, because there's going to be a lot of players that have their contracts expire in 2014 yeah. in the summer. So that's where you really want to replace them. And that, I think that's another reason why they kept Kenny Miller on for another six months, so they could have that summer transfer window to get that ideal DP player to replace him. So the training camp kicks off in a couple of days, and there's going to be a lot of trialists there, so it's going to be interesting to see who Carl has brought in. He said, like we spoke to him on the phone during the week, and he had said... One of the questions asked was, how many players are you going to have in the training camp? And he said, as many as they'll allow me to have. He just wants to look at as many options as possible. So it's the right-back one that really interests me to see who he's going to try and bring in there. He mentioned Ethan Sampson too, but yeah, I mean, but he, that's another international player than you got. He impressed at first in the PDL. When I saw him play in the PDL games, he did impress me at first. He can also play centre-half, I think. I think we saw him play there a couple of times. But Towards the end of the season, he lost his place in the PDL team. I don't think he's MLS quality. He is somebody I'd like to see more of, maybe developed down in Charleston. But that's, again, a bit of a waste pit, maybe, I don't know. But Martin Rennie was quite high on him. He, he spoke highly of him in his last ever press conference in the last game of the season. Now, Steve, you had a great idea for our interactive segment this week. We threw it open to Twitter. We asked people... If you could pick any former white cap, a retired one... To avoid the Comieto replies. Yeah, didn't want everyone saying for Comieto to come back. If you could pick any retired white cap from any era to come in now, in his prime, to make the team better, what player would you have? And we got an amazing response. Like, Twitter exploded last night. It was a fantastic response. It seemed like it was going to be a quiet night and it was awesome the way everybody replied in. And you got some of the older guys that had seen these players apply in. You know, I do that YouTube scouting thing on on, uh, on Twitter where I, I put a random player on, and then it came to my head, I wonder which older player in their prime would be be able to fill the need that we need right now. It's uh, an attacking mid and right back. Of course, some players went off the board and 
pick, pick players that obviously we might not need, but they picked them anyways because they were a fantastic players. So that it kind of it kind of grew out of that. So instead of us just alluding to it, let's actually read the tweets in a section we're calling "Fill My Hole." So let's get right to the tweets. So first, the uh, first person to respond, we'll give him a props. Uh, Kieran Warner, at Crammerhead. He gives too many choices. Willie Johnston, because he was and is a groovy guy and not boring. Dave Hall also said Willie Johnston and Peter Beersley for their heart and swagger. We got Derek Collins, at underscore DC55, who said Willie Johnston's Toughness, character, flair, but Kevin Hector was world class and could put the ball in the back of the net. W- Willie Johnson was a a guy that I saw play a couple of times. He had a handful of appearances at the end of his career, but he's five. But he was such a character, and you see the video where he took the famous corner. That was in San Jose. And took a swig of beer. And I actually was reading a a book the other day, and there was a quote in it from Willie Johnson. He seemed to like doing things in corner flags. Because in one of the games in England, he actually bought a greenhouse from a guy over the course of a few games. And every time he went to take the corner, he negotiated the price with the guy until he got the price he wanted and then he bought the greenhouse. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, So we also have, then uh, a lot of people went into your pick. Yeah, my my pick would be Dominic Mobilio. Because I just feel the Caps need a guy that knows how to find the back of the net. And Dominic, although I never saw him play in person, I've only seen videos, and everything I've read about him and seen about him, he was just such an amazing guy and such an amazing striker. And so Matt Arruda, at Matt Arruda 10, said, Mobilio, show the MLS what a real striker was all about. And former player and media pundit Carlo Corazon, at Carlock19, he echoes those comments, and he said, with respect to all mentioned so far, what the Caps need right now is Dominic Mobilio. And he said, without a doubt, he was the most natural goal scorer ever seen in this city, maybe even in Canada. Michael Stevens at Caps of White also backed it up. He said definitely Mobilio for him as well. He saw him play a lot when he was a boy and he was just like really amazing. Alan Arrington at Alan Arrington, of one of the most known soccer coaches in, in the lower mainland, said Dominic was a one-off, never will be replaced, most natural finisher ever seen. At uh, Cramerhead came in again once more, uh, Kieran Warner. He said, uh, if I were to go with the later years, it would be Mobilio or Darren Tilly. And Cramerhead's a, a Southside original, veteran of the, the old Swan Guard, goes way back to the NASL days. And he posted a video of the 86ers destroying Tennessee Rhythm. It was a 7-0 game. And it was a hat-trick for Darren Tilly. And I'd never really seen him play before, but what what a finisher he was as well. We could definitely do with Mabileo or Tilly up front just now. 
Of course, one of the big gaps, as we discussed, is in the middle of the park. We're desperately needing some midfielders, and a lot of the guys came up with some some really good veterans that, that would definitely fill that hole. Yeah, and uh, it, well, the first one we'll talk about is the guy who I thought might be the best pick out of all of them, which would be Alan Ball. So Calden Clark at Seagoon said, Alan Ball, need I say more? And that was a view echoed by Patrick Stevens at Deda GN. He said, in his prime, Alan Ball to run the midfield. Colin Elms, at Colin Elms, said Alan Ball in a holding midfield position and Kevin Hector up front to replace the goals we just lost, Parks as goalkeeper. So he picked three players, but that's good enough. But essentially Alan Ball was the main guy. Martin McMahon from Goal Soccer said any era, gotta be Alan Ball surely, although some wing wizardry from Carl Valentine wouldn't go amiss. And then Carl Valentine spoke in and said he didn't know he was such a wizard on the wing. But then we asked him who his pick would be, and he responded. He also said Alan Ball. He said, played one and two touch soccer, and is still the best that I have seen playing this way. That's his pick. So, and another guy that was very popular in picks was Peter Beersley, former Liverpool player. But, and the thing is with Peter Beersley is he actually kind of started his career with the Whitecaps instead of coming over during uh, near the end of his uh, year he actually began his career with the Whitecaps and he got quite a few responses as well Scott Kyborn at footy K responded at Peter Beersley what a player Jay San at Rattigan Can he also said Peter Beersley because he described him as electrifying or if he could have two picks he'd also have Dominic Mobilio who he said was lethal in the box Grant Holford at GD Holford said Beersley for sure my dad won't shut up about how good he was. Stefan Erickson at the underscore P-N-G-U-I-N. He went for Peter Beersley as well because he could score and he was a red devil despite not making an appearance. So I don't know how you could be a red devil without making an experience. Well, like Paul Ritchie was with Rangers, yeah. but he never actually played for Rangers. Oh, so he's a Ranger. Yeah. So some of the other ones we had, well, we should mention, like we were saying need for this, like what would fill the Whitecaps need. And at Pete Chad. Uh, Pete Chad, the host of Whitecaps Daily, who is coming back in February, uh, tweeted out, the correct answer is either Rudy Kroll or Franz Tyson. And Rudy Kroll, people said he could play anywhere along the back line, so I'm assuming he meant Peter, Pete Chad wants him to play right back for us. And he's then, a Dutch master. He, I mean, he's a legend to, to Holland fans. Yeah, Franz Tyson, he, I'm assuming he would be the uh, attacking midfield player that we need. Franz Tyson, I remember from his Ipswich days, and I, I was talking to Pete on Twitter about this. I, I don't know if I remember him at Ipswich from playing, or I just remember him from having him in my Panini annuals when I was a kid, all my stickers, but I, he's a name that sticks in my head. Vito L at Vito Lotiv, he also wanted Rudy Kroll, so a popular one there. And Rudy Kroll's name actually came up uh, with a few people because a, a number of people had a couple of suggestions. Alu at Alu Souk said it has to come from these four. Rudy Kroll, Peter Beersley, Alan Ball or Bruce Grobelar. No one else comes close for him. And then um, Ken Serna at Hop underscore Holland says Kroll, Thiessen, Alan Ball or Beardsley. Ken also followed up with a later tweet. He said he'd like Grobelar and goal with a little John Craven steel in the back. We'd round out the side nicely. ABS at Bad Gones. He again went for a few. He went for Kevin Hector, Peter Beardsley, or Carl Valentine. 
He says we don't really need them per se, he just wants to see them play again. Going back up front, Russell Beresford at squad player, he wants Kevin Hector. He said goal scoring problem would be solved. I know, and he was a prolific goal scorer in England and over here. It was just amazing uh, some of the things he would do. And Minor Campos at Prof E Campos, he said since the Caps don't have a backup keeper, he selects Paul Dolan, although he does have another kind of contract at the moment. Yeah, well, I I think Paul Dolan will probably be a play. I think he might even take the position from David Ostead if he was in there. I don't think he would be the backup to him. So we'll go through some more. Um, Andy M. Swample. At Swample. Ivor Evans, the only guy I've seen who is a bigger and better diver than Camilo. And as much as we hate it, you do kind of need that. Jamie at Landridus Footy. Landridus underscore Footy. He went for Bruce Wilson. May not be the most flashy, but he was durable, a local, a leader, and would lock down the defence. Drayton Allen Van Ass at Drayton Van Ass responded with David Morris, no explanation needed. As did Davis Can at Malwa Express. He says, Davy Morris, duh. Which of course ties in with the, the famous song that used to be sung around Swanguard. We all dream of a team of Davy Morris. And he would obviously, if he was there, he could fill in a bunch of needs then because he would be playing out different positions. And the final one, you'll be glad to know because I know we've read a lot out. It comes from Stephen Lamott, our good friend Slamo, Slamo on Twitter. He goes for a more recent retiree. He went for a 27-year-old YP Lee to fill the hole at right back. Which is funny considering he uh, talked about how YP Lee was retired basically halfway through the season. That's why he wants a 27-year-old. We really enjoyed all those memories and going through that. Maybe it worked a little bit better on Twitter last night than it has just reading them all out just now. But hopefully, if you're listening to this, it's invoked some memories of these players. And if you don't know who these players were, it's maybe going to make you want to go and check them out on YouTube and look for some of the classic videos that's up there from Whitecaps days of old. And of course, it ties in with something which we're running on AFTN, which is our Vancouver Whitecaps all-time greats. If you haven't seen the feature yet, what we're doing is we're looking to name a best 11 in the NASL, CSL stroke D2 days and the MLS era. Then once we have our three teams and our manager for each team, we're going to narrow those selections down to one all-time greats team. So we kicked the series off last weekend looking for our NASL goalkeeper and Phil Parks has walked that. So we're going to have a feature go up on the site on Saturday, just a recap of Phil Parks' career. So he's going to be the first player that is in our all-time great selection. First player in the NASL 11, so congratulations to Phil. So just before we wrap up here, some breaking news. Well, maybe breaking news. We've not been able to get it confirmed before we have to finish getting the podcast edited. So let's just file this in the rumour section just now. But what we were told this morning was that Carol Robinson is going to be announcing his final assistant coach soon. But all we were told is that the new coach is a former assistant coach at Cardiff City. So we tried to confirm with our source the actual identity of the coach, but unfortunately he's in the UK. Time difference, have to get the podcast finished, we've not been able to. So drawing conclusions from it, which is a little bit speculation, a little bit based on what he said... We don't know whether it's a recent former coach at Cardiff City or whether it's a more distant former coach at Cardiff City. Looking at who they've had as assistants in recent years, I'm kind of pinning my money on one of two people. The more unlikely of the two is a Scotsman called Joe McBride, who I'd be really happy to have here because he played 88 times for East Fife. 
more likely is that it's going to have been the most recent assistant coach, David Kerslake. Now, Kerslake was Malky Mackay's right-hand man at Cardiff, and when Mackay was unceremoniously sacked by Vincent Tan in December, Kerslake was appointed on a caretaker basis. Now, he said all along he didn't want the job. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer got the job, and he brought his own team in. And earlier this week, or may have been last week, Kerslake was let go by Cardiff. He's not got a new appointment yet. He expressed at the time that he didn't really have any desire to take over the main coaching role at Cardiff because he's happy being a coach. He's done coaching for over 10 years and he likes the day-to-day hands-on approach that just being an assistant coach gives him. And he comes with a a really good pedigree. He, He played at the top level. He played for Spurs, played for Swindon, and he started off his playing career at Queen's Park Rangers. He was also a coach at Watford when Jay Demerit was there, so the pair of them also know each other, so there's another connection for us. So as we say, not confirmed. A lot of speculation on our part and like trying to put together a 500-piece jigsaw when you've got two pieces. So we've, we've done the best. It might be complete bollocks. Might be something in it. But stay tuned because I'm pretty sure we'll find out who the assistant coach is real soon. So thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast. Steve, tell everyone where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat and obviously writing for Canadian Soccer News. And I'm Michael McCall and you can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Send us an email about anything at all. Nice things, hopefully. At AFTNCanada at Hotmail.com. Find all our stuff online on Canadian Soccer News, AFTN.ca. And also I'll be writing some things for Soccerly.com. As we said... Preseason camp kicks off this weekend. It's going to be nice to actually concentrate on on-field matters for a bit. Still a lot of new signings to come in. A lot of trial is going to be in the camp, so we'll keep you posted with everything. So until next time, take care and mon the caps. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.